Welcome to episode 29 of the Coach Fury podcast. My name is Steve, Coach Fury Hollander. I'm the owner of Fury Industries in the Gowanus area of Brooklyn, New York. I offer fitness classes, personal training, and online coaching. Head on over to CoachFury.com for more info on me if you want to get awesome, strong, and stuff. I also teach for Original Strength, DVRT Ultimate Sandbag Training, the RKC, and Strength Faction. It's, in fact, in Strength Faction, Fact Faction, that I met today's guest, Casey Lee. Now, I've got several courses coming up, including one at Casey Lee's place in Vermont. So if you like the sound of his voice, we're both going to be there. I'll be teaching this one. Original Strength Pressing Reset at Parisi the Edge in Vermont on Sunday, April 8th. Still time to sign up for that one. Next stop for me is Sunday, April 29th, MSC Strength in Boston, DVRT Ultimate Sandbag Training Workshop. This is the best spot to sort of get a nice, full, greatest hits intro into the glory of DVRT Ultimate Sandbag Training. Hey, RKC's out there. It's time to level up. The RKC Level 2 Kettlebell Cert is returning to Catalyst Sports Saturday, May 5th, Sunday, May 6th. Then OS is heading out to Austin, Original Strength Pressing Reset at Dow Health and Fitness, which is Saturday, May 12th in Austin, Texas, keeping it weird. Original Strength, Guilford, Connecticut, get to know each other, Saturday, June 9th at my buddy James Newman's place, and the HKC One Day Kettlebell Cert, where my whole fitness education started Sunday, July 15th at MFF Bowery. Come check that out. And we've also got some cool RKC and OS and potential Indian Club stuff coming up for Japan. So check all that out. Ladies and gentlemen, Coach Fury Podcast, episode 29 with my buddy, Casey Lee. So I'm not going to keep this part on the podcast. <laughs> You're not recording. Oh, no, you are recording. <laughs> I didn't even see. What is this? Well, who does that? Who does, Who starts with the recording? Some sneaky bastards, because sometimes it sets up a weird conversation if you're suddenly like, now we're recording. Oh, man. I'm sitting here with, like, Halo Top with, like, Top. I'm like, I'm going to have, like, five minutes to talk to Fury. Look at this thing. Where'd you get that fancy thing? Are you even using that right now? Yeah, I'm using it right now. It doesn't sound That's super loud or anything. Um, I can yell. No, you don't need to yell. I don't like have to talk that loud with it. Hmm. This legit. Oh. You sure it's on? Yeah. All right. I hope. I so. don't hear like a. I, I'm not dissing your mic. Don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> As I speak through my shitty headset, um, it doesn't sound that drastically different. Huh. Um, for for the listeners, if I keep this part in, listeners, Casey Lee. <laughs> Hey, my guest is Casey Lee. I just said his name is Casey. Uh, picked up a very fancy looking microphone that had a stand, looked legit as fuck, had a windscreen on it. Yep. And uh, I, I can't necessarily tell if it actually sounds that much better. I don't know. Um, Maybe it does. On the playback, whenever I do um, like a playback, like whenever I listen to my podcast, like afterwards, because I made sure to listen after I got a new mic. You just got on mic. It's the direction, man. You you you're you might need to move the position of it. Is it like this? Is this good? That might be a little too close, but that is way better. Oh, look at that. Okay, I'll put it in front of me then. Hey, look at that. It's actually like focused on your mouth now. So, I don't have out. to like, I'm like, kind of like duck out of the screen a little bit. 
It's all a learning process, man. Well, I'm happy to help. It's one of the great things about our relationship. <laughs> we're, we're mutually growing. So anyway, listeners, you're going to hear, sorry for the shenanigans up front. I'm going to leave a lot of this in, but not some potentially uh, threatening stuff that Casey was saying. Um, one of the things that I'm excited to have my buddy Casey Lee on is uh, we both started a podcast relatively close to each other. I think I got like maybe a month ahead of him. Um, I haven't, uh, Casey, before we get into the podcast, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself uh, in three words or less. Kidding. Uh, Something, tell them a little something about yourself. Three words or less version would be pale, loud, bearded. Um, no, but, um, my name is Casey Lee. I'm a strength coach up in Northern Vermont, um, just outside Burlington. Um, if you're familiar with the Northern Vermont area, everything is just outside Burlington, but I'm about 10 minutes from the UVM campus. Um, I work at a Parisi speed school. Um, it's in a health club called the edge. The edge has five locations through Northern Vermont. Um, it's locally owned. So it's not the edge itself isn't a franchise or a license or anything like that, but Parisi is, Um, I started with Parisi when I was 21. I literally graduated on a Saturday afternoon and then Sunday went on a plane to New Jersey to spend a week with Bill Parisi and Martin Rooney and John Cirillo and all those guys um, and started my work life um, and have been there since. And I've loved basically every day. Everything has its ups and downs, but um, going on seven years at Parisi in, in various capacities and now I'm the program director um, and it's been awesome. You know, I'm, I'm a large child, so working with kids every day definitely doesn't suck. Oh, that's awesome. For, for those that might not know, explain what, uh, Parisi is like, not sure. the man, but the actual, like a, a, as a subcategory in that gym, as a sub business within the gym. Sure. Parisi, uh, Parisi speed school. It's a youth training center. Um, largely what I say we do is we're an education platform for kids and families that, um, does fitness. Um, so we work on foundational movements. It's not like I don't teach kids how to kick soccer balls or throw footballs or anything like that. But what I do teach kids is, um, you know, motor patterns, skill control, these different things of just what we talk about with foundational movements. Obviously, weight training is a part of that. Um, running, jumping, cutting, landing mechanics. Um, you know, these are all things that we do to various levels. We actually start our program at age five with a program called little speedsters, which, which, uh, kind of mimics like phys ed. Um, it's not like hardcore sports performance training that you'd see in like ESPN or, or like a combine or something like that. But we do go all the way up to high level collegiate athletes. Um, we're lucky we're close to Lake Placid. So we have had a couple, uh, Olympic hopefuls come over, um, and train with us, um, you know, in their, their competitive cycles and things like that. So, uh, Parisi is a training center. It specializes in youth, uh, performance training is, is probably the easiest one line to say. Oh, that's cool. I didn't realize you were so close to Lake Placid. My folks have a timeshare up there. It's probably like a little over an hour. There's a ferry. If you take the ferry, it's probably a little over an hour. If you drive around to the bridge, it's, you're probably looking at like two. All right. I'm going to be up there in July. Ooh, we we should meet by the ferry. Wear a trench coat. Yes, a I'll wear coat. a trench coat uh, <laughs> in the middle of July. Coat. In the middle of July, and we won't. I'll tell you what. In that part of Vermont, no one would even notice. <laughs> so, is the coat factory really the big? Th- I'm kidding. I, that was an <laughs> asshole, easy, easy, easy joke, folks. I'm, I'm, I'm not really 
believing in that. Let me ask you this. So in, in terms of I, I've had very limited experience training kids. Uh, you know, I know I've had a, a, a couple of sons that were brought in to train with me, usually because they're trying to end that transition of want to get on the football team in high school, want to put on a little bit of weight. Maybe they don't have the size with them. Uh, I know in training my own kids, you know, it, it is one hell of, a, again, I don't have as much of the athletic, back, well, I don't have nearly the athletic background as you have, um, but even just trying to say like a neutral spine stuff, just trying to sort of move normally. My kids don't move abnormally. I'm digging myself a hole here. Uh, <laughs> you know, just trying to get some basic list, lifting concepts in. It's been like a struggle, and I see like very slow progress. Uh, what's like the the learning curve? Because on one end, when kids are young, it's like uh, it's hard for them to pay attention sometimes. Um, spines are like noodles. Yep. On the other end, when you get towards out of high school, you can have kids that are like, you know, hitting PRs in the weight room bigger than anything that I'll ever lift in my life. Yep. What, what, is there an age range where if someone starts training where suddenly it's been like two to three years, say, from five to seven that this is happening and then all of a sudden like it ramps up or is it just everyone's comp- – I mean, everyone's obviously going to be there on their own continuum, but is there an average? Sure. Um, you know, I think in, in just, this is purely anecdotal. I'm not like a hardcore, like researcher guy. Obviously I, I, did, I do read research, but um, you know, just in what I've seen uh, the, the right age or a good age, as far as like strength training goes or getting your kids in kind of a more structured physical preparation program. I think if you look at great long-term athletic development, um, you know, that starts at like two, three, you know, tumbling, um, and just these, these slightly, uh, more chaotic environments than a kid would be exposed to. Um, you know, phys ed is kind of a, it's probably the hardest job in America now, um, you know, for younger kids, grade school kids. Um, but phys ed does a great job of just serving as, um, low-level motor control, implementing those kind of chaotic environments that are appropriate for kids. But when we talk about structured strength training, I found a great wheelhouse age to start is 10. Um, you know, that's where you're at a point where a kid can kind of dig it, you know, like they come in and they they see a weight room. And obviously when I say weight room, you know, I'm not throwing trap bars down the ground. I'm not throwing barbells down on the ground. Um, but, you know, using lighter dumbbells um, and implements that an athlete can't really mess up. Um, Mm -hmm. Landmines are really great. Um, Prowlers, sleds are really great. The floor is really great um, to help keep kids in the right position. Um, TRX training, um, it's all relative. And the only thing you can do is just give a kid a bad dose of exercise um, in a bad position that they can't actually do the movement well. Um, and more so than being dangerous is it's just going to turn them off from wanting to do it because, you know, a lot of kids, like they're not going to feel good about doing it. They're, it's going to feel awkward. Um, you know, and they, they they've got two sets, you know, two eyeballs in their head. They can look at the kid next to them and be like, well, I don't, I don't look like that. Or I don't feel like I look like that. Or there's a mirror in front of me. I don't, I don't, I don't look the same. And it kind of makes them feel different and whatnot. So I don't know if this really answers your question. It's kind of a tangent. Um, but, I find that around age 10 um, to 12, you know, that kind of that first major growth spurt um, is huge for athletes is just keeping motor control um, intact as they start to physically grow. Um, 
And then, I mean, I've seen kids that come in and they're like 18 years old, they're division one scholarship athletes and they move like a 10 year old. So yeah. to really say like, what age is it perfect? You know, when their mental capacity starts to really allow it is probably the best. And that's kind of different along uh, every individual, but we found great success with our kids implementing structured strength training in co you know, in conjunction with speed training at age 10, um, our yep. program obviously starts at age five and there's something, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Um, but age 10 is where there's a noticeable ramp up. Did you know when I found that, uh, I, I really sort of hit my, my stride on that. Um, 23, 38, <laughs> 38 was pretty much when I think I, I hit that. Uh, so what you're basically saying, um, so my daughter's turning 11 shortly after this comes out. So basically 11 years old, the first thing I should do, uh, if I'm hearing you correctly is low bar back squat. I should, I start at about one, and a, grass, half, one and a half body weight or double body weight on that. <laughs> I would definitely make sure you buy an Alico training bar with some sharp gnarling, make sure that thing's going to stick right on their part of our back. Um, and you definitely like get going. Oh, that, and one other question on that is suit or no suit? Like, what do you think? <laughs> if you can get one small enough for an 11 year old, I think it's a worthwhile investment. You'll outgrow it, but it, it'll, it'll set the tone early. And, sure. and, and just in case somebody, <laughs> we're kidding. Yeah, obviously, obviously. <laughs> I could just imagine, like, Fury oh Casey said, well, he's going to load up his daughter. I'm going to get a call from Bill Parisi, and he's going to be like, hey, uh, we got to talk. <laughs> hey, hey we're, we're, we're joking here. We're not going to do that. I'm, a, I'm an OSE guy. I'm just trying to get him to crawl and jump around a little bit more. <laughs> you know, um, and it's funny, Fury, like, that's, that's what we do. You know, like, that's – it's so, so funny. Like, people, like, freak out. They're like, these are athletes, and they're high-performing athletes. If you move like shit – the ground is your friend. If you can't work contralaterally with your arms and your legs, crawling is where you're going to start. And, you know, it's like anything. Like if, if someone has success with that and you're coaching the hell out of that crawl and someone's crushing it, they're going to get stronger and move better and feel better about themselves. And when you work with kids, that's probably the most important thing that I think people try to make it look like it's an Instagram highlight or a sports center highlight or what the pros do, but no one ever shows the pros warming up. Everyone always shows the pros running 30 miles an hour on a woodway. So it's, it's so true. I, I got to speak and it's on one of the podcasts. If, if, if anybody wants to listen to the bonus episode um, from the OS pro course, I got to work with, uh, he, he, he took a course with me, Chip Morton from the Bengals professional football coach took a course with me two years ago. It was an original strength DVRT ultimate sandbag training mashup called dynamic strength that I taught and put together and created. And then we actually got to partner up. He has a new course through OS and we got to partner up on some movement screenings and just got to talking a bunch. And he came on the podcast and he now has his team. They spend about 20 to 30 minutes doing different types of that type of developmental sequence, warm up stuff. And it's something when people ask me how, you know, knowing that I teach for original strength and knowing that I teach for the RKC and DVRT, like how do I blend that stuff in? And, you know, this contralateral stuff in terms of motor skill, it's not only improving coordination, it's actually like improving the quality of the brain and the processing within the brain. Like there's such a higher level neurological thing happening when we focus on that stuff. So, you know, normally everybody's first thing is, it's like, let's teach a person a hinge. It's important. It's fairly straightforward, but like, you know, being able to like march in place or crawl or bird dog, 
these are things that don't seem as important, but if, if you can't pull off a bird dog or uh, a relatively smooth, you know, hands and knee crawl, we got to really wonder, like, should we be loading up something? Yeah. You know, even before that, I'm not saying you don't, you know, don't do it. Everything's a red flag. But I think we have to look at, like, how, how much ownership do we have of a de- developmental movement pattern before we, like, get over-focused on a, found, you know, a fundamental or foundational movement pattern? You know, separating, you know, like, crawling, rocking, rolling from, say, you know, uh, lunging, hinging, squatting. Because they're different. They're very different. And you have people that can haul some weight, and then you try to get them to skip. Right. And it's like you just see smoke coming out of their ears. And skipping is like one of those just innate things we do. And it's kind of it, it's one of those surprising things. When I when I first got into strength training through, you know, kettlebells and, and, and lifting weights, like I never knew that I would be like that. This was an aspect of training that I was going to value so highly um, something like skipping or crawling. Like I get it. If, if you're out there listening, you're like, this all sounds like, like weak ass shit. Like I get it. But trust me. You need to have substructures. Like you can't build a, a, a high rise on a weak foundation. And a lot of us are using tension strategies to create a weak foundation. And we need to take those steps back and invest some quality time on that. Yep. Um, you know, it's just like we're all realizing like, you know, so much comes down to intensity. It's, you know, exercise selection is certainly part of it. But, it, but it's how intense are we going, you know, in terms of injuries? Like are we making the right choices and are we pushing them too hard? For me, if you can make the right choices and find the right level of intensity, it's going to be harder to hurt somebody or for them to hurt themselves than like, does this exercise make sense? I don't know. Um, And I know recently I've been dealing with several people that like, you know, they have no idea of what a true seven out of 10 intensity level is. It's it, it. And, and most of the time someone has trouble with that justification those are you're going to be perpetual lower back people or your perpetual knee people or your perpetual shoulder people. Is that because they're missing high or missing low? Missing no, they're going too high. It's like, you know, they're, 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 they're basically pinning it, say nine, but they know they can gut check another two to three reps out. So they're counting that as like a, as a seven or an eight gotcha. when it's actually, it's probably, they should, you know, they, they should be dropping weight off the bar to find that. Yeah. Um, a good seven is going to be better than a shitty nine. Anyway. Yeah, you know, it's like the bench press is like always a great example of it, right? Like someone, you know, their seventh out of 10 reps is the last. You, you just see it happening. That's going to be your last solid rep. And then they get the three mediocre reps. Each one gets worse and worse and worse. Now they got 10 reps and they could probably do a shitty 11th or 12th rep. But they're now five reps past where they, were, where they should have just like left it alone. Mm-hmm. So if you throw that on, say, like a deadlift, that's your lower back on a bench that's going to be your shoulder. Yep. And for me, that's been an interesting thing just as a, you know, programming. And one of the things I picked up from MFF is really trying to help people empower them to run their own race. Now, how do you find like, how, how do your youth athlete athletes gauge themselves? Is it, I mean, I know, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to make a generalization, but on like an average, are they pretty good at it? Do they push too hard? Like where do you find them falling on that spectrum? Sure. So the biggest thing I found with, with underdeveloped central nervous systems. And everyone wants to say like, what age is that? That That's anyone, um, regardless of, it's more training age rather than chronological age. Um, but with our kids and, and how kind of our approach to it is 
you know, we're going to let their, their forms, like we got to get them into right positions. So the very first thing we do is, is we look at where they're starting the exercise. Is it from a tall kneeling, a half kneeling? Is it prone supine? Um, we don't really venture to like a freestanding variation often, um, with our young kids. Um, you know, and I'm right now, I'm really talking about how we would train a 10 to 13, maybe a 14 year old. Um, we're going to use benches. We're going to use the wall. We're going to use the floor. We're going to use squat racks. We're going to make sure our kids can get into a position where there's feedback that lets them know if they're getting out of position. And then we're going to talk to them um, in between each individual set uh, about rate of perceived exertion. We use an RPE scale. Um, we do absolutely work to percentage-based training with some of our more tenured athletes, our older uh, high school, college kids that have been with us for years. Um, you know, that's, that's important. But we're not one rep maxing or three rep maxing 13-year-olds. That's, I'm very open with athletes and parents that if that's what you want, um, we can get a, like, there's personal trainers in the health club who will absolutely do that to you. Um, and we can do that, but with how wompy a central nervous system can be like you alluding to with like a bench press or even pushups, like rep three is good. Rep four is good. Rep five. It's like someone just unplugged, you know, from the outlet and, and they're done. The light bulb is out and it's like, you know, the first set looked good. So for us, really what we look to do is, is talk about rate of perceived exertion. We try to keep kids somewhere around a six to start. That's probably the number that we really look for. Hey, you should be able, you should feel like you should be able to do four or five good reps. And I'm not talking grinders. Um, you know, we talk a lot about the squat face. Like I'm not looking to see your squat face, um, <laughs> you know, but we're talking four or five good reps. And then what we do is we challenge athletes with volume rather than intensity first. So um, a guy who's really good at setting standards is PJ Strebel. Um, another strength actionite, um, down in, um, Seacoast Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Seacoast sports clubs. Um, and he's been huge in just kind of getting me on board with like, Hey, how does this work? Like standards with a youth setting and, and making sure our athletes are hitting certain benchmarks repeatedly to move to the next. Um, and that's been huge, but we always, you know, and our coaching staff knows when we talk about coaching development, um, how to progress an athlete is probably a very close second to where do you start an athlete, yeah. um, but making sure we progress them the right way with volume and we, and we can really start to build a base brick by brick rather than just like, okay, first bricks down, let's go up. Let's get the first brick down and put another one next to it. Um, and keep going from there. And, and we're lucky. I mean, we do, I think we do a really good job of onboarding um, families and parents and kids into our program and they understand it's going to be slow. And, you know, kids typically will be, you know, I, I had an email this morning and kids said that this workout was too easy yesterday. And, and, you know, it's, that's a conversation starter. It's not like, Hey, we got to F this kid up when he comes in next time. I don't know if it's a censored <laughs> podcast or not. It's, um, it's, it's, it's explicit. I've, I've okay. dropped that. <laughs> so, you know, like, Hey, Hey, this kid comes in next time, fuck him up, put him in a trash can. Like, no, it's a conversation, you know, Hey, that's, that's awesome. Thank you so much for your feedback. Where did you feel it was too easy? Um, you know, you are 18 hours from a workout. Let's see how you feel tomorrow. You know, 36 hours and talk to him about like delayed onset soreness, when it might kick in for this kid, you know? So a lot of it with kids is a conversation um, rather than like direct coaching, like telling a kid what to do, but having a conversation with them and getting them to kind of, 
get to an autonomous state. I understand they're 11, but we're controlling what they're choosing. Um, but we're talking to them about what they should be feeling and they dictate that. And that's where we start like the conversation of autonomy. Um, and it's, it's important because we're talking about like setting up life skills at this point with an 11 year old. They're not, yeah, they might want to make the peewee basketball team or travel baseball team or something like that. But man, to get a kid at that age, 11, 12, 13, invested in themselves and feeling good about themselves for the long term, like that's, I mean, if you work with kids, you know that that's why you're here. But yeah. I think that that can be a tough sell to parents when it might not be as fast as they want. Well, I think parents tend to come in especially now if somebody's shown that they have like a, a potential gift and a skill, pa- parents want a quick timeline because yep. they, they, they want to see a star. They're yep. not looking for progress. They're looking to make a star. Absolutely. Um, you know, for sometimes the right reasons and often in mis- misguided things. Um, are all of when you, when you're working with youth athletes, are all of your external cues based on Star Wars and Harry Potter? So um, <laughs> the thing is, and this is what's, this is what's tough is You'll drop a reference, whether it be from Star Wars, um, you know, some of the older kids, you might quote like Austin Powers, you might quote a movie and they don't know what it is. And it breaks your heart and you realize that you have to re-educate these kids as to what is important in life, such as watching Star Wars in production order, not chronological order. Um, you know, and until like, it's, it's, yeah, but you think that you drop like, Hey, may the force be with you. They're like, well, I don't, the star Wars movie came out last December. What are you talking about? Uh, I would suggest like, modifying, you should modify your onboarding to account for that. You should give them a movie list. I can help compile a movie list. You know, I'm going to get some more fat heads or something, <laughs> you know, like, uh, put them on the wall. So people have to ask like, what those people are. We just got some TVs put up in our facility. So, um, you know, we might, we've talked about doing like a Friday movie night and I think, I think it might have to happen. I mean, I know we used to do films of fury at MFF and it was a, it was a big hit. It was super fun. It was bring your own booze and snacks. I mean, obviously you have kids, so don't bring the booze. A lot um, of, a lot of booze. We're next yeah. to a brewery. <laughs> Parents can bring um, booze. Really quickly for listeners that might not know what RPE is or percentage based that, that Casey and I were talking about rate of perceived exertion means we're going to give you like a guideline, um, on a scale of one to 10, how hard something should feel. And you usually gauge that by like how well you handled the quality of the movement before we have movement degradation. Cause that's generally where people start to get hurt or uh, burn out at the gym. Like those things just start to rise up Our percentage based. Um, so RP could be like one to 10, six or seven we're looking for, right? A percentage base is like, we know you have like a 500 pound deadlift and we are going to go to exactly 60% of that as close as we can down to two and a half pound weight plates to work off specific reps on that percentage. So um, I know for a long time, uh, what was great about kettlebells was we didn't have as many sizes when I started. And this is only going back eight, eight years. You had bigger, bigger gaps. Now you can kind of micro load them to some degree, but they're still four and a half to nine pound hops across. And, uh, but on barbell land, I know I got very caught up for a while when I was doing some of the, you know, focusing on the big three bench squat and deadlift on being percentage based where, you know, adding the two and a half to make sure I was hitting my numbers. Yeah. And then, and then you just realize like, if you're not competitive, uh, as a power lifter, you're just, there's some days 
you're just not going to hit your numbers and you got to be able to modify on the fly like that. And that's, that's one of the things that an RPE we, we, we tend to cherish now. And I, I feel like it's getting used more and more and more commonly um, because quite frankly, folks, if you didn't sleep last night well, or you had a great party, you're hungover, I don't know, something bad happened to you the night before emotionally, you're probably not going to lift at the same level that you would have if, if Casey and I put a program together. So that's what that bit of shenanigans is about. So moving on from youth athletes, that was really interesting, by the way, because again, that's not my wheelhouse. So thank you for that. Sure. No, that's, that's my wheelhouse, man. Like I'm, I'm in youth land and I love it. So I love talking about, it. that's what's one thing that has been nice about Parisi is being able to contribute to kind of on a larger scale. When we talk about multiple locations throughout the country, like being an influencer to make sure kids are getting done um, or getting training done the right way. That's appropriate. I think that that's been very fulfilling for me. So um, it's awesome to talk about it. Thank you for giving me a chance. Oh, please. Yeah. The first time I came across Parisi was my folks live next to a gold gym that I think either trans transition into a world gym and then maybe back to a Gold's. I don't remember the, the cycle of it. Um, in Wontaw, Long Island. And I know at some point, I don't know if it's still there, Parisi opened up. This was one of Parisi those- Parisi Wontaw still exists. It still exists, awesome. Shout out, shout out Liz Burkhart. Oh, right. It is a, you know, that's it, that gym is one of those huge facilities like where there's just like a ton of space. It's, it's something that you just don't see in Manhattan or, or even in Brooklyn. Um, I remember when that opened up, I was like, holy crap. But I had no, this was before I was a trainer even. Um, the best story about- my own training there is so I'm a massive police Academy fan, right? So we're going to go films of fury land for a moment. So there's a, a pizza place in, uh, in, in long Island near Wontaw, uh, outside of Levittown. It's on the border. I want to say it might be the Seaford border called Papa Lardo's. Now Papa Lardo's is the place that like literally before around fifth grade, we would like cut out at lunch or a hole in the fence in the back of the school and go get pizza. Papalardo's later became famous for three things. Anthony Papalardo is just an amazing professional skateboard decades long at this point. He was the son of the owner. Stuttering John from the Howard Stern show used to work there. And Steve Gutenberg from Police Academy, Cocoon, all that stuff used to work there, right? So they're all from Long Island. And one day uh, I, I'm lifting it at, I think it was World at the time, you know, in Wontaw. And I look at the bench next to me and it was Steve Gutenberg lifting. And I'm like, he was benching. And I'm like, I, I don't know how to fan out or not on this. Like, and then I, I was fighting the urge to not make sounds like the guy from Police Academy, the dude that would make all the, the sound effects. But that was my, my best story there. My folks are still regulars of that gym. Um, my dad, like, like basically like hangs out and like the, cranky hanks like where they make the, the breakfast and smoothies and stuff all the time awesome. but anyway uh i digress that was really off track but uh awesome. i would say folks i appreciate steve gutenberg i appreciate all the police academy movies especially one through four my kids now appreciate all of the police academy movies two through four because they are not ready to see one yet um and then we'll move on from there and then shout out to your friend liz at parisi yeah, it's your podcast man you can go on whatever tangents you want well we did well let's talk about since this is my podcast and you have a podcast let's talk about podcasts yeah, man. <laughs> so your podcast basically uh you know i've mentioned this several times that uh todd Baumgartner and strength faction had a lesson I think the Strength Faction podcast, which you, you all should listen to, is is awesome. And I think it was maybe like two or three months old. 
Todd made a lesson with literally the video, like us showing us exactly how to do it. It was like three minutes long. Yeah. And it, it, it took out, like, I'd been talking about doing this for a year and needing equipment and what mics do I get? Um, and like, literally I use a $20 headset mic and, uh, you know, I know it might not be the best, but it, it's been working and I'm sure you're going off of that same, yep. same template. Right. So yes. I, I started mine about a month later, Casey started his, um, we've had some of the same guests, but it's also like a totally different approach as well. What has been something like unique that you found or unexpected that you found in making it and tell the people the name of your podcast. So sure. the name yes. of your podcast and something like unexpected that you found while creating it. Cause you're several ep- episodes in as well now. Yep. I just filmed episode 20 last night um, with the lovely Steph Allen, a live one, a live one, which was interesting. I had never done something like that, but, um, it's called the three things podcast. Um, it's hosted by me, Casey. Um, you can find it at www.coachcaseylee.com. Um, it's up on iTunes, Google, and it streams through SoundCloud. Um, and one thing, what was the part of the question? <laughs> well, what was something unexpected that you found in, in, in being a, a podcast creator? Sure. So the first thing was just how unbelievably easy it is. Like, like I did it through Zoom. Um, Zoom, Zoom is a, a web-based app. It's what we're using right now. It sends you the audio and then you can literally upload it to SoundCloud. And, and just as long as you set like SoundCloud to link to iTunes, it's on iTunes. Like it's free and like, it's, it's literally that easy. Um, it might not be like the best quality. Um, that's something that I'm slowly upgrading on my end is just like a better mic and maybe a little bit of backend production. But I literally would just tell the person I'm going push record and up like minimal edits. If, if someone said something stupid, I'd probably edit it or if it was like a glitch or something. I would have to edit it, but, um, like go right from rough cut to upload and just let it fly. Um, but I think one thing that's really surprised me is how much I really enjoy it. Um, I do it very selfishly because I know that I learn best by having conversations with people. Um, I, I learn by doing, but I also learn by asking questions and kind of piecing together my own like if there's a hole that I have in something and I'm like, man, I don't really know like how to get from point A to point B. I'm probably going to have a guest on my podcast and kind of target the gap between point A and point B and fill in the hole that I need. So, um, I I do it ridiculously selfishly. Um, but it's nice because you can record it and share it with the world and, and hopefully bring value and benefit to others. But it's been so fulfilling. Like I love recording podcasts. Like I, I love the conversational piece of it. Um, and I, I, I just kind of did it cause it was cheap. Like it was, I bought a zoom pro account, which I use for other parts of my own stuff. And it's like $13 a month that I spent on zoom. And other than that, um, and, and SoundCloud, you did yeah. tell me about SoundCloud. We'll just motherfuck you and, and make you get the pro account. Yep. Um, did you find out the hard way on that when suddenly episodes were gone, by the way? You bet I did. And, yeah, but, I was... but I knew to look for it because you told me. So I, knew <laughs> to look for it. I was like, oh, this is, they're creating more space. Time to buy a pro account. So, so if, uh, if, if nobody knows what happens, like SoundCloud has like a free thing you sign up for. And I forget what episode. It might have been around like nine or 10. Suddenly episodes one through three were gone. And I was like, oh my gosh, they've been deleted from the world forever. And, uh, they, they only allow you a limited amount of space. So I had, you end up upgrading and, and it's fine. SoundCloud. It's not a disc. Yeah. Um, you end up upgrading. 
But those are the only two expenses that I, that I pay for. Because some people have been like, can't you be on these platforms? I'm like, I'm not going to pay another membership fee. But it's I pay Zoom, which I use with my online peeps. And exactly. um, I, 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 it's just a super usable thing in the business, no matter what. And then I use SoundCloud and I use GarageBand. And I have to thank you because you were the one that actually showed me how to apply to Google Play and to... Spotify. Now, the annoyance with Spotify is I've never heard anything back. I'm not on there. Same. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's like a VIP only. Like if you look at the podcasts that they have, you would also find those in like the top 10 on iTunes. Well, what's interesting is though, like my buddy Nick had me uh, on on one running out of Florida and that one shows up when I tried to Google my name, but they didn't even give, they don't even like give you an email back saying, sorry, we've rejected. It's just like, Thanks for sending shit. Now go eat a dick. Yeah, just, we'll let you know if you make it to the cool kid table. Yeah. So um, I want to thank you for the Google Play because there have been things that like Casey and I in the background, like Casey will show me an app, like, look, you can play clips. And, and thank you for having me on the, on the show as well. Like I had a great time on there. And then um, I showed him the Wordle app that my mm-hmm. artist Glenn showed me. Just finding ways to get the word out because I find I find the same thing. This has been unexpectedly rewarding in terms of having um, a different type of creative outlet within the industry that um, I think sometimes we can feel a little redundant, right? And some people probably listen to this and thinking the same thing, but it, I, I just feel more emotionally attached to this than sometimes when I go and try to shoot like a technique tip video, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think it's because it's like a collaborative effort between me and you right now, right? We're, we're, yep. we're having an exchange versus me just trying to show you something. And I've learned more, even just in simple word phrasings and things like when Danny Cavada was on, instead of generating content, was talking about creating things. I'm like, that's part of the verbiage I, I, that has been frustrating me, this idea of making content for the sake of making content to be out there is this idea of making stuff versus creating cool shit, right? Like I want to create cool things and I want to talk with people that I deem, that, that deem, that sounds like powerful, that I think are cool or that other people might benefit from hearing their words. When Danny Almeida was on and, you know, I tend to see I'm really busy. I get stressed sometimes if I'm too busy, right? Like, uh, you know, I, I take my RPE of Gary Vaynerchuk to like an 80%. That 20%, like I want to sit down, I want to watch Jessica Jones, right? Uh, I, I want to have some downtime. And Danny mentioned it being full instead of being busy. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of a beautiful way to look at it. And like every episode has something that they say. Tess Ball in the last episode mentioned about, you know, career stress from one thing versus our life stress as trainers. Like this trainer stress is our stress versus when we're in a deadline-based business it's their stress projected onto us so all of those weird things have been like really cool moments and then i have enjoyed getting better on the production side i haven't gotten a fancier mic i'm still doing everything the same but i've been able to streamline how quickly i can edit and cut the music in and all that stuff and then the last bit is working with glenn urietta in particular the artist who does all the godzilla thumbnail sketches has just been Super cool how, you know, I, I throw him an idea for, <laughs> I've already sent him the idea for this one, Casey. I can't tell you what it is. I'm um, excited. I bet it involves a onesie. Uh, and then, um, you know, waiting to see on Sunday or Monday when he shows me the picture, I get, I'm like a kid in a candy store. So. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, I, so for me, it was like, I 
I started my website last June. It was awesome because it was a place for me to just put thoughts, you know, like that's all I wanted to do was a place to collect thoughts. And I realized real quick that I, I just not cut to sit down and write a 5,000 plus word article. Like that's not me. It's not authentic. It just, it's don't, I hate, it's like work. It's just not fun. And I just can do it. You know? Plus how many people are on average reading a 5,000 word None. article? No one. That's part you know? of the thing right now. Yeah. And so I was like, well, you know, and it, it, the reason it's called the three things is because it's very easy for me to think in bulleted format of typically threes, you know, like it's this one thing and then it plays to another thing, which plays to another thing. And that's kind of where I started writing. I was like, wow, this is actually really easy because it's short 200 to maybe 500 words max. Like it's super easy. And then I was like, well, this could be fun in like a podcast and like a recording. And, um, you know, I was just on a zoom call with, with Steph Allen. She was guest number one. I'm like, Hey, you want to be on a podcast? She's like, you, you have a podcast. I'm like, you're going to be guest number one. And like, just like recorded it and did it. And it was, I was like, this works. This is, I like this. I will make time for this in my life. And, and that was awesome. So boom, like let's, it's like, I try to do it every like Wednesday or Friday. Like I try to get on the, the, the mic with someone and just do it. Yeah, it's awesome. It has become way more time consuming than I expected, but uh, I get a lot more out of it. And it's been interesting as it's like now that uh, this will be technically after this would be like episode 31. It's on the numbers is 29 because I don't count the films of Fury or the, or the bonus as a, as a numbered episode. But, you know, like having recorded and put up 31 episodes ish. Um, you know, the feedback too that I've gotten, like I've given you feedback on yours, like you've got a great way about it. And I have noticed the production value getting better. But what I love about it is like, you could worry about production value and not make anything. Mm -hmm. Like, I think both of us went into this is like, well, you know, I, I don't know if anyone's going to listen to it. I don't know if I'm going to get the best sound. I can wait and try to work that shit out or I can just make something happen. Right. Like, yeah. it's like, if I'm going to create it, I'm going to create it. And for me, it was like an oddly unexpected punk rock thing and in in like i guess a non-punk rock arena but it was just like well i can worry about having a mic or a mixer and, and your fancy windscreen or something or i could actually just start talking to people and and seeing if i'm even good like i think part of this happens too and this isn't anything folks like you know a lot of times at a certification and i'm sure you've seen this at courses that you've been to is you'll have somebody that's like an enthusiast or a brand new coach and they're they're super hesitant about training people and look you, you got to be reasonable in what you do but the only way you're going to get good at training people is training people and continue to learn how to train people but you got to put the hours in and these shows like anything like writing blogs or shooting videos you have to do it to get better at it yeah and you know i think uh I, i've seen where i've done i don't think i've shit the bed yet on any of these but I can see where I've, got, I've gotten better at guiding a conversation because the, the, one of the big differences between Casey and my show, this show, is my name's on this one, his isn't. And he, he doesn't tell his guests what's coming up, but Never. it's specifically around like the three questions that he has. I don't really have, like I, I give out maybe a few topic points, but once we start talking, it kind of goes. Like I'm not looking at notes. Um, I, we're, we're just going to see where this thing goes. So... 
it does put a little bit more stress on guiding the conversation. And I think I've gotten better at that. And what was interesting when I was out in North Carolina this weekend, somebody was like, you know, you've got a really good radio voice. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, that is an amazing compliment. But, uh, you know, I, I have to disagree. But, uh, you know, I, being a presenting in front of rooms has helped me work on how to handle it. Um, not being an asshole, at least in general, has helped me talk to people better. And, you know, just being myself has helped. But it's been practice of now talking to 30 plus people uh, just to find the words. And I try to be mindful of the ums and likes. And then I also start to be, I don't really care if that happens anymore. Yeah. That's the, the hardest part for me was just figuring out to just shut up, you know, like this, my first couple of guests, I would always just try to chime into the conversation. And, and now I just find myself listening and I I'm perfectly content with that. You ask a question, shut up, Casey, listen, and then ask either a follow-up or, like I, I had a guest on um, a couple Mondays ago, Justin Rabinowitz, um, who reached out. He was like, dude, your podcast, is, it's been great. It's awesome. I'm like, cool. You want to go on? Like, let's do it. And he was, I was like, I found myself so caught up with what he was saying. Like I, he finished and I was like, and that was awesome. All right, next question. Like, <laughs> and we're on to the next one. Like that was super, like that was a great answer. So I, I was like, so like in drawn into him as a speaker. I was like, it was the first time I think in a podcast that I wasn't like thinking about the transition to the next question and what my follow-up would be. It was just like, nope, you're a really good speaker. That answer was great. Shut up Casey. And on to the next question, you know, like you just, you have to kind of figure that out as you go. That, that's the hard part. It, 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 and that's outside of podcast, podcast land. Um, I think so many times when people start to initiate a conversation, it, it's whether they realize it or not, they're trying to like dominate or win the conversation versus actually listening to the people, the person speak. Yeah. And if you're saying something and all I'm thinking about is my moment to go and it's my turn now is like my main driver. Uh, I'm not doing the person a service and certainly the show is going to be false. Now, sometimes people go on tangents that are a little too long and you try to guide that, right? There's cause you have to realize other people are listening to this. Um, or we get off to point, we kind of kind of like reel things in a little bit, but I, I do think, and I think this is for both of us selfishly, these podcasts were more for us than for anybody else. hundred percent. And, you know, that helps versus, you know, I, I know there's potential money making in podcast land. I'd say from the folks that I know in fitness land, I don't think it's generating a lot of income. Uh, but there's this idea that whatever it might be, even outside of fitness land, that I'm going to make a podcast and I'm going to get that those sponsors and I'm going to make a shitload of money. And, you know, I haven't heard if you talk to like, you know, if you listen to early Joe Rogan, if you listen to early Nerdist, those are the two that I probably listen to the most, especially the Nerdist. They, they, you know, they were, they weren't making any money for five to six years and I'm not really looking to, to get money. I, Kim and I were having this conversation the other day. If I thought anything was going to come out of this is that maybe some people would sign up for my courses or subscribe to the show just because you're, it, it if you relate to the sound of my voice and my thoughts on things, you already know that coming into something, right? It takes yeah. out the X factor. Now, maybe I annoy the fuck out of you and now I'm pushing you away <laughs> from my courses. But it took me a few episodes. I had friends, my, my, my friend Tony and my wife on my birthday dinner. I forget how many episodes in we were and they were like, you know, you should be really telling people what you do 
and, and let them know that you have courses coming up at the beginning, like at least selling something just to get the word out that you do things other than this podcast. And that's when that started. So even that was like a growth thing, but folks, I'm going to tell you, it's just like anything. Like I think some people look at trainers lives as like, they're, they're, they're super easy. And I think most of us will say it's the complete opposite. And so if you think it's going to be a fun, easy job, it's, uh, it can be fun and super rewarding. I would not say that this is an easy job. I love it deeply, but you know, I think we can talk about strength faction in, in a moment, but I think we proved that a lot of us struggle to deal with sort of the all encompassing nature of what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think with anything, if you try to make a band to make music for the sake of making money, like I think that's a misguided thing. If you try to write a book for the fact of trying to write a book to make money, it's a misguided thing. And I think to try to do a podcast as, as a way to, you know, get a point across to make money, I think that's a misguided. Now, if you can monetize those things, like all power to you, Sure. but in anything, if that's your driving factor creatively versus just being purely business minded, I think like that's a hard spot to be, when, be in, yeah. right? That's yeah. where you'd be the guy behind the, the, the person behind the scenes working at the sponsorships versus being the voice of the show. Um, cause you have to make those lines out and I can't even realistically think about who I'd want as a sponsor that would make sense. Like, you know, I've, I've, I've given the shout outs to pedestal footwear guys cause I just love their product. Mike's been on here. Um, I don't, I don't get paid by them or anything and I don't do it every, every show. Um, you know, and I mentioned clearly the bands, the, the bands, the brand, the groups, the brands that I teach for, but outside of that, I'm like, what am I, what am I going to? What am I going to do? I don't even know what that would be, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. To... I've, I've, I've thought about getting sponsors, like like having the questions, like a certain question be sponsored on the show, like, you know, like on mine. But at the same time, like I'm – it's so funny. Like we go back to like I do it really for me and then yeah. I do it to like educate people who might be interested or who people who trust my opinion on, on bringing people in who can provide information. Um, I do it for those people second, um, you know, and, and then from there, like, I mean, it's a great tax write-off too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not good. There, there are benefits to that as well. And it's, it's been really cool getting to catch up with people. I've noticed though, with some folks, uh, it's like, you know, um, Jason and Lauren from Achieve are going to be uh, the next guest from Achieve in Boston. Fitness in Boston are, are going to be the next wow. guest. And, you know, they're old friends of mine. And we don't talk that much, but it's always great when we run into each other. And there's this weird thing where I want to start having this conversation just talking. And it's like, do you find yourself going, like, save it for the show? Like, I'm like, let's just hit record now and start talking I know. Now. You started the record easy. I, I typically will talk to people. Then I'll be like, all right. And now, you know, like just, I like to catch up and, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I like how you do it and I like how you, cause you have like an intro and stuff. I don't. So like, it would just be a weird, awkward start to the podcast. So, um, that's just like where I have to get my stuff dialed in a little bit more so that I can just hit record, start with a really authentic conversation and then just rattle it right off from there. And that's just something that I grew from because I had people, you know, I was trying to do minimal editing and I'd have the, the poor guest having to listen to me take three shots to go through who I am. Thanks for coming to the show. And this is what's coming up. And then, you know, I feel like an asshole that they have to listen to me selling my own stuff before I get should be about them. And then for, you know, I mean, we're talking over like 20 so episodes. This has been fairly recent. Then I'm like, you know, 
all right, it's been great catching up. I'm going to hit record now and recording three, two, one, go recording. And then it sets up a different expectation. Mm-hmm. Like if I want my show to be like super conversational. It's, we're just, we just went, got done with the workshop and now we're hanging out. We're going to have a drink. Let's talk about some stuff. And, you know, admittedly it's become more fitness than the nerdier stuff um, than I expected, but it's just based on, on who the guests are. And it seems to be resonating with people in that way. Um, I do need to get more films of fury movie episodes out, but I, I think that's that. So that's even my growth process. I, I didn't want the awkward start. I also didn't want to bore people with my own intro. So I now, when we're done, I'm going to record a separate intro and then I edit that in and then we go straight into <laughs> you shit talking somebody. I'm not going to put that on. Um, but I just think it helps smooth, smooth things out. It's something again, like I, I listen to, Hardly any fitness podcasts anymore. Um, pretty much you and, and Strength Faction and occasionally the FitCast. But most of what I listen to now are like the Nerdist, um, Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Adventure, the Q&A with Jeff Goldsmith, uh, occasionally Pete Holmes and Joe Rogan. And you uh, and listen, listen to, to the questions, don't you? You listen, to how, you listen to the host more now, don't you? No, I actually like um, what started with it was like, so my friend, Emily, Emily Rowe, um, who's one of my online friends and she's part of the Films of Fury crew, turned me on to the Nerdist a couple of years ago. And I had gotten so sort of burnt out on hearing about fitness that it was really cool for me to hear about productivity and creativity from my former field, which was film and TV and, and, and advertising visual effects. And I was just grooving, not just, on, I wasn't even thinking about how the interview was going. I was just like, hearing these people have a discussion, right? It wasn't about like a Q and a, it was just discussion. And then as I started thinking about a podcast, which I thought about over, you know, so this show has been on for just over six months now. I probably thought about it for a year before that and was finding every excuse to not make it happen. And the whole point was to have those conversational discussions like as authentic as can be for lack of a better word, as honest and non silly as can be, but also original to the guests. So it's not like, here's the set of questions. Like you have three questions, but you change them for the guests. I've also, you know, been on some shows where it's like a pretty set thing of questions. I also know sometimes, you know, when I've been interviewed like the, you know, you, you get asked a lot of the same questions and I'm hoping that this isn't repetitive in that, that everybody gets to come on and sort of say something or share something they haven't elsewhere. I know Mark Fisher as my first guest, you know, he's, he was very much like, yeah, can we talk about something other than this? I'm like, yeah, I didn't even plan on talking about this because you've already done it. Um, so I also want to allow those other avenues so that if like when Julian was on and uh, Cardus and we, we were talking about, you know, his recovery came up, like he's got a great episode with Sarah on her podcast. Um, I think it was the purposeful strength, Sarah. I'm sorry if I'm blowing that up and congrats on becoming an SFG team leader. Um, like I don't, I'm not going to rehash that here. Someone else already did a, did a better job than I could do it. So that was one of those things where then I started listening to how, you know, Joe Rogan or, um, Chris Hardwick started guiding. And, and now I can hear on certain podcasts, well, like, I like this, I like that. Um, I like this type of an intro. If it's too overproduced, I get grossed out by it. Um, if they have the wrong song at the end, I'm like, ugh. Um, I don't know. I, I've gotten critique but I try to, like, get, uh, take the positive out. And Are you a it, podcast snob now? I, I'm not a podcast snob, <laughs> but I, I know. I mean, it's okay if it, you are. No, it, it, it's the... 
I'm trying to remember which show it was. I don't remember if it was Shit Town or Serial. I, I want to say it might have been Shit Town. And it's an amazing podcast. And I'm, I apologize, guys, if it's wrong. But there was this song at the end. I can't remember if it was that one or not. And there was just like this pretty song at the end. But I'm just like, I don't want to listen to that song ever at the end again. <laughs> you know? And I hope nobody ever feels that way. I love, you know... Um, the FTW music that they let me use on this, but it was like, you know, it, it was like that small thing for some reason stuck with me. And it's the same thing with audiobooks. You ever listen to an audiobook where the, for whatever reason, the voice, whether it's the author or whoever's narrating it, yeah. like literally the sound of the yeah. voice turns you off of the whole book. It's not the content. I've had that happen. Like uh, I listened to the Dave Mustaine. Wait, was it the Dave Mustaine one? I think Dave reads his own thing. It might have been Keith Morris. Keith Morris from the Circle Jicks. His, his autobiography, he's a legend to me. He's like one of my icons. Somebody else reads him, and I'm just thinking, why isn't this him the whole time? Yeah. You know, anyway. So, last thing, because I know we have about 15 minutes before you have to bolt and get to work. What I wanted to talk about, one of the things that I'm just really proud of you as, uh, as a fellow member of Strength Faction, pseudo-mentor, but I really don't do a lot of stuff for you. Um, because you're about as veteran, if not more veteran than me in the program, is this has been the last 12 months, the year of Casey Lee. I don't mean just 2018. I mean, the last 12 months, like I've just seen you between the, your, your social media management, you're putting out content, your systems questions behind the scenes that are showing up, this podcast presenting. It just seems like in the last year or the last two semesters, this one included a strength faction, a big rise in your productivity overall. And I just wanted to ask you, like, have you been aware of it? Was it planned? Did, did something just suddenly stick? Where do you see this growth coming from? Um, a lot of that stems from uh, my professional life. Um, so in 2016, literally it was January 30th, 2016 is the day before my wedding anniversary. I approached my wife about opening a gym in New York. Um, a Parisi Speed School location in upstate New York and Saratoga, um, close to home, but, you know, far enough away in a market that it, it, it could be prosperous for sure. Um, I spent all of 2016 trying to do that. Um, you know, I was very open with the gym that I work for now and, and obviously I have an amazing support team with the, the corporate team at um, Parisi with Bill Parisi and Ginger Gillard, Paul Staples, all those guys that do a great job over there. And it just... It, that was, it, it was me trying to beat a dead horse once I, I realized internally it wasn't going to work, but I was holding on to a dream of gym ownership. Um, you know, it was, it was a vision that Jen and I had. Jen's my wife. Um, we were both going to do it together and it was going to be awesome. She has a finance background. I obviously have a strong coaching background and in the trenches of, of fitness. Um, and it was going to be a nice symbiotic, you know, thing for us to do. And it was going to be great. You know, like it, it was going to be ours. And, um, uh, building inspector in Saratoga, New York, uh, crushed my dreams when I had to get the HVAC lifted six feet up and crack the foundation and move the plumbing. And then I had to build an, uh, uh, a certain size bathroom or locker room. And then it was a separate subunit from the health club we were leasing space at. So I couldn't use their locker rooms. And like, just, I mean, it all came crashing down real hard in, in August of 2016 and kind of left me in a really bad spot. Um, and like everything, like my health was terrible. My mental like state was terrible. And, and I'm like very extroverted. I'm, I'm 
like just pretty outgoing. Um, you know, always, I think super friendly and like, just always kind of like going, going, going and having fun and coaching. And like, I, I work with kids. So like, that's like, you have to be in like working with other people and like being a leader with Parisi and talking to other trainers and young coaches. And, and I was just in a really bad spot. I was, you know, Frank Duffy, shout out Frank Duffy, uh, was posting about strength action. And I was like, you know what? Like these will be, and it was so funny starting strength action. I'm like, man, my workouts, I, I need to get better workouts. So I'm going to join strength action. I'm going to do the workouts, not really knowing what strength action is. And I think people probably have a better idea of it now. Um, and I joined strength action in January. It was like January 4th, 2017. And you go through prep week and it was like the kick in the ball bag that I needed, like getting your shit together prioritizing your time, making sure you had the resources and tactics to actually do it. Like that's, you know, it's so easy for people to be like, Oh, you just have to do this. And it's like, well, that works for you, but what is it going to work for me? And, and getting the coaching and the lifestyle, not just like, yeah, we're fit pros. We need to be, we need to be fit and we need to practice what we preach and be skillful at it. Like, that's great. But when we look at like the mental side of just what we do. And you kind of touched on it earlier, Fury, like I was in a bad place, strength action. I, I think got me out of it. Conversations with Mike Connolly and, and the resources that Todd and Chris put together and having an amazing mentor group like you and Wesley Showalter and wheels and like all the stuff that you guys put out. It's like, it's, you go at your own pace, but there's always something there. Like there's always something to learn from. It's like, you can read it at night in the morning, you can watch this video and you can catch up on Saturdays and the Q and A's are recorded and there's the forum you can jump in on if you have a question. And like, like for me, I, I learn best by the conversation. So I think it, it's a perfect fit for me. I had no idea what I was getting into, but like, it was one of those where I started doing the steps, like, and actually just like, Oh, like I'm going to do a brain dump on Sunday and I'm going to prioritize my week. And now all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I know where I'm going to be on Monday and I'm getting things done. I have some free time that I'm, I'm not as stressed and now I'm not as stressed. I'm having a little bit more fun. And then, um, you know, I, I, I had a conversation with Mike in, in February, 2017 about like just how to make it work in a fitness setting. Uh, I'm sorry, a corporate fitness setting. And Mike has a fitness background, corporate fitness background. Let me see if I can get that right for a third time. Um, and he gave me some great pointers and I implemented them. And what do I have to lose? You know, like I'm yeah. was relatively unhappy. I'm trending in the right direction at this point and, and was lucky to be put in a position where in June of 2017, last year, just under a year ago, um, I took over as the program director of, of our facility. I had shared responsibilities and um, was just not very happy with how everything was going. It wasn't an environment that I, I liked being a part of. Um, and I had control at that point to make it what I wanted to be a part of and, um, to have awesome coaches like Joe Grunvald, Cozy Joe, who's in strength action and Kyle Rainville, who's was in strength action and to bring on awesome personalities like Shannon Bouvier, who came and joined our, our program in September last year. And John Lighton, who was an intern um, and who was literally so good, we had to hire him because we didn't want him to lead for anywhere else. And just like, I, it's like a rebirth, you know, like, it's like, that's the cliche saying, but like, I'm, I'm feel like I'm actually in control of, of everything. And, 
and it's awesome and I can do what I want and I have the resources to do it. And if I don't know how to do it, I've got an amazing community that will help, you know, and that's invaluable. You know, like it's funny and people will be like, Oh, it's expensive. Well, like, what do you, I mean, maybe, you know, but like, are you using it? Are you getting the value you want from it? Like, it's like anything, like, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the strength action current rate is, but I, I would, they could triple my rate. I would still pay it. And it's because I know what it means to me and how I use it blends perfectly. And I know other people have felt the same way. I'm sure you're, you're obviously a mentor, with yeah. me, but it's, um, you know, like part of it is like, I, I would be concerned if I didn't have this support network behind me, you know, just like, it's been huge for me and I'm finally having fun and fitness again. And, and now I, I'm not afraid to do whatever I want. And that's, that's huge, you know, that's, personal that's life, professional life, like that's it. Yeah. I, I, I can't, you know, knowing even what I just charge for online training one on, which is more of a one-on-one than a group and doesn't provide, you know, the same level of, just overall training lessons, you know, not, not just fitness, but all the aspects. Um, anybody that would complain about the price tag of strength faction really has to think about what type of other certain investments they're making course investments they're making. Yeah. Cause this is just one of those, I, I, I firmly believe the industry would be so well served. The entire industry would be so well served if when the, when the day comes that strength faction becomes every facility's onboarding group. Any new trainer should be coming on with us. It should be like a a, a, a staff mandate, basically, because it's just such a level up of something that I you know if I had had it when I started out, like I know I would be, you know, so much better now just having access to it. And things like the fact that we're talking right now over a podcast, just that alone. Cause I signed up like you, I was in a training rut and I just wanted workouts and I didn't expect to ever become a mentor or to get all the education out of it. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's powerful stuff. And then the, the bigger thing too is, is like, you know, like when you and I had like an online coaching discussion, not as, a, as a, in terms of a business setup, when we were at one of the seminars, I had an amazing um, back and forth with KCAL, Kristen Callahan, uh, former guest on this show about authenticity and just an outside of my own, well, now you are my network, but outside of the people that you might train in the gym, being able to go to other solid human beings that you can have discussions with, uh, openly, uh, free of like, I don't know, getting judged, as opposed to sometimes that's hard to do in your own staff. And at Mm -hmm. MFF, we do that at MFF and it's hard. Um, But most places don't, right? Most places lead to resentments or, you know, even when I started training classes out of the apartment, you know, just being like, hey guys, who does this? Who can help me out? Because there's some gray areas, you know? Like I know there's like this level that I could just fucking roll with this, but there's these other gray areas. And there's not an aspect of this business. We can't fly up a, a question uh, and make it happen. And I know like, I'll, you know, Todd in particular for me is like when, when I'm really feeling it, uh, Todd's the one that I, I'll reach out to for perspective on that stuff. Todd, I'd say Todd Bumgarner and James Newman uh, are, are the two most direct people that when, when, when I'm getting really stressed out on this roller coaster that I'll reach out to and provide me with really good perspective on it. Wheels yeah. too. I'll say Wheels has been somebody that like also like gives like a really solid perspective. Yeah. You know, it's just crazy how 
you know, and this is something that Bill Parisi told me like very, like the very first week we were at Parisi. And it's one of those where like, you're 21, you hear it and you're like, yeah, whatever, dude, like I get it. And he's like, your net worth is directly related to your network. And, you know, like it's one of those where you never really realize the value of a, of a true network. Like you think you have a network and then you go to lean on your network and it doesn't really pay dividends to what you really need, you know, to have that support, whether it's, it's, I mean, it, it's, whether it's business, personal, you know, professional logistics, like the easiest programming question that someone can help you with. Like it's, it's just an outside, Hey, can you review this for me? Like to have that peace of mind in the fitness industry where sometimes you do have to watch your back and you might not be in the healthiest culture. Um, you know, like it's really reassuring. It really is. And you're with other like-minded individuals, um, which obviously is worth its weight in gold, but like, just to have that, you know, like, it's funny cause Todd always talks. And I think this was the lessons like with the psychological coaching and stuff. And it's like, that's what they do for us. And we're the coaches, like we're no different than our clients, you know, like we need all the same things, but we provide and we look to give, give, give for all the people who we help, but who's helping us, you know? Yeah. And like, that doesn't, that doesn't, that was never there. And, and unless, you know, I, bit the bullet and was like my workout sucker. I never would have joined. And I don't even know if I would still be in the industry. Um, cause I had applied for jobs outside of the industry as well leading up to that point. And, and like, it's funny. It's like, maybe it's not like, it's just not meant to be. And the reason I stick around is because of just something else happening. But, um, I'm, I'm definitely in a, in a ridiculously good spot. I don't have bad days anymore. Um, and I know it's because I have a network that helps me provide to my clients and coaches and community, the network that I have. So it's, it's like they lead by example, you know, and it helps me be a better leader and helps me get outside my comfort zone. Like doing a live podcast last night with Steph Allen. Like I did an IG live. We did a live zoom. Um, people logged in. We had a Q and a afterwards. Like it was cool. It was, you know, it was something different. Like I would never have even thought to go outside of the little comfort zone box I have in in podcast land and, and just pushing the boundaries on that. Like when you got people who force you to level up by making you want to level up, like, come on. Like, that's awesome. It's what it is. That's what, but that's what you mean. Like think of just you and I starting a podcast, like strength faction was like, yep, here's how you do it. And we did it. So level up. And you're like, yeah, I want to do it. Like you made it so easy. I want to do it. And then you just do it. And now here we are. So for all, for all five listeners, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know my mom. I'm sure my mom's listening. Really listening. Um, hey, Casey, um, I know we got to wrap this up. Hey, tell, tell folks where they can find you. I know you mentioned the website, but repeat it. Yep. So www.coachcaseylee.com is home base for me. Um, I'm on Instagram at Coach Casey Lee. I deleted Twitter because I've never heard anyone say, man, I'm super happy. I have a Twitter. Seems like it might get you in more trouble than not. Um, Facebook. I don't really do a whole lot on Facebook. Um, pretty heavy on Instagram. Um, that's kind of like home base for me as far as social media goes. Um, but yeah, you know, like I, I, I've open door policy and in, into my life and systems. And even at our facility, we have places from, you know, 
different states want to come up and check out our in-services, which is great. And, and locally, we have people from competing gyms come in and check out our in-services. And I have, I have no interest in ever hiding what we do or thoughts or anything like that. So feel, please feel free to reach out. That's awesome. I'm proud of you, man. You're a good dude, and, and I'm glad to see good shit coming your way. That's awesome, man. I appreciate it. Hey, Casey, it's your turn. Can you tell the, po- the folks to die mighty? Hey, die mighty. Awesome. Is that how I'm supposed to say it? Did I mess that up? It's how you, you can try it again if you want. I thought it was fine. Go for it. I, die mighty. That works. <laughs> However you want to say it into that fancy microphone. I'm just glad I got to show you how to use your fancy microphone. <laughs> no, I don't even know how to position it. Right? <laughs> hey, brother. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming on. I appreciate you being there. Listeners, thank you so much for um, spending some time with Casey and I. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of this guy. He, he, he's a friend. He's somebody that I, uh, I'm just, uh, I just have a lot of affection, affection to. Maybe, maybe the J to my silent Bob, or maybe we're two J's. I don't know. Um, but thank you so much for listening. As always, thank you to Ridge Carpenter for the Die Mighty logo, Glenn Urieta for all of the amazing artwork, and the FTW for the metal music. If you want to support this podcast. Uh, with a small financial donation, uh, and I mean small, folks, like that's cool, head on over to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Coach Fury Podcast, become a patron. Even if you just donate a buck or so, it'll go a long way, and I'll give you even a bigger hug than I would normally give you if I run into you in person. Big ass crap. (laughs) Not in this day and time. (laughs) You would have to ask me for that separate. $5 donation for the ask. And stay tuned for next week. Uh, uh, Episode 30. Holy shit. 30 episodes with Jason and Lauren Pack from Achieve Fitness Boston. It's a great episode. I'm I'm stoked for you all to hear that. Thank you, everybody. Take care. The Coach Fury Podcast is created, owned, and produced by yours truly, Steve Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by the FTW. Visit the ftw.nyc.com for band, album, tour, and merchandise information. And the artwork is created by Glenn Urieta. Visit glennurieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or on Instagram, at Glenn Urieta. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.